Welcome to day three of the big pushback. The day people all over the country are starting to wonder, hey, do I just have to sit here and look at all this black bullshit, all these lies, the greatest lie of our generation, the greatest hoax of our lifetime, black victimization, white racism. Do I just have to sit there in my backyard with my boys around our barbecue, drinking a beer, smoking a cigar? Do we just have to sit there and complain and wonder how the world got so upside down so quickly? Well, the answer is no. That's what we showed three days ago out on Interstate 95 in good old Wilmington, Delaware. And we're getting, getting so much good reaction from all over the world to that pushback. Let me read a couple letters here. Hey, Colin, thanks for your bravery. Please, please use this little offering towards your event needs. Can't be there in person, but at least I can help a little bit financially. I can't believe how insane things have become. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've been naive, but I never thought it would get this bad. Here's somebody we call, used to call Cosmic Bird over at YouTube. God, we had a huge community at YouTube. I'm sorry to say, I think we lost track of a couple of them. Anyway, not Cosmic Bird. He stuck with us. He sends me a very nice card. Colin, I'm having one for you to celebrate your birthday. Okay, probably more than one. Go get them, says Cosmic Bird. And he incorporated a little bit of love offering in there. Thanks, Bird. Miss you over at YouTube, but you know what? We're on to bigger and better things now. Here's, hey, Colin, get well soon. You're doing great work. I listen to the podcast every day. I've read all your books. Signed, Bob, a.k.a. Anonymous, in Northern California. You know, one of the cool things about having this podcast and my videos, books, and all this stuff is I get letters. Yeah, I get good old U.S. mail, hand-addressed, handwritten letters where people just write me a couple sentences or sometimes they pour their heart out about how their whole life, they, they, they never imagined where we would be where we are right now. Right at the peak of denial, deceit, and delusion on the greatest lie of our generation. People just can't, they can't believe we're here. And people that used to watch me on YouTube or used to, you know, a lot of people come in and out of this channel, like all channels. But a lot of people are coming back. And a lot of people are going, Colin, you've been telling us. I was talking to the Reverend Bacon the other day about criminal justice reform. And he was telling me he saw an article that said, you know, all the people were letting out of prison in places like New York City, out of jail. I think I saw the number, like 67,000 people we let out of jail and prison just because of the coronavirus, not even counting criminal justice reform. He said, it turns out those people were not fully rehabilitated yet. Yeah, they're all out there committing crimes. And so Reverend Bacon tried to give me a little bit of some props for being one of the ones out there going, hey, what? What are you doing letting all these criminals out of jail? You know they're criminals, right? You know they're not really, like, attached to our civilization in the same way you and I are attached. And you know these criminals are fellas. They don't like us. How can this turn out well? 
No. And so Reverend Bacon was trying to give me some props for being the only one out there. I said, whoa, Reverend Bacon, just hold the phone. Did it really take a genius, a prognosticator, a Karnak the Magnificent to tell, to describe what was happening and what was going to happening? That was not a prediction. That was just me standing at the top of the hill and watching somebody push a rock down, a big boulder down the hill. And then me saying, yeah, that boulder is going to go all the way down the hill and crash into that house. So I'm still astonished that the number of people who would just look wide-eyed into a camera or the number of people in $3,000 suits, $1,200 shoes, in rooms with nice, big, shiny walnut tables looking at each other and saying, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's let them out so they can go back into their neighborhoods and be mentors for the little fellas. They can coach Little League, and that's what we need in the hood. We need an influx of criminals to show our young ones how to lead a good and proper life. People actually said that stuff. So I did not allow the, the Reverend Bacon to crown me with the crown of geniosity. No, it was just, I'm just sitting here watching the river go by, and I know if you got, there's a log upstream, it's just gonna go floating by me, and that's not predicting the future. That's just expecting objects to obey the laws of physics. And we're going to get a few, into a few more of these stories, how all over the country, right now, all over the country, there's chaos on the streets. Atlanta, Boston, oh, we're going to get into it, Baltimore, Philly. And here's, you know, here's one thing I don't think, I don't even know how you would do it. But here's one thing I don't think people have gotten a good handle on as to how widespread the civil unrest is right now. The rioting is right now. Is there any town of the, say, the top 200 cities in this country? Is there any city that has escaped without any large-scale episodes of black mob violence? I mean, they said Baltimore did. That was a lie. Said Detroit did. That was a lie. But everybody's just looking at it and they're just, you know, they're in they're in denial, deceit, delusion about it. They're in de they're in denial, deceit, delusion about it, about who's behind it and who's doing it, who's doing the violence, who's doing the mayhem. And it's either the fellas or it's white people acting with the fellas for black lives matter because they believe black people are relentless victims of relentless white racism all the time, everywhere. That explains everything. So either way, it's either the fellas or people who believe in the great lie about the fellas. It's just, it's just enormous. So that's why we were out on the freeway three days ago at the day one of the big pushback. We changed the world. I didn't say we took a magic bullet and, and took one shot and solved every, every, prob every problem with racial violence or racial dysfunction or racial mayhem in this country. No, we did not do that. Planted a lot of seeds. We have the news of this thing is banging around already. Lots of talk radio, lots of websites. Uh, Alex Jones, Infowars, Red Elephants, Big League Politics. Jesse Lee Peterson did a big segment on this today. Some uh, white men are standing up. My friend Colin Flaherty, 
This is from Information Liberation. And he is a bold white man. For some reason, I thought he was Jewish, though. He's white, but he kind of looked Jewish. I remember growing up, when I, even when I first moved to California at, at the age of 18, I couldn't tell the whites from the Jews. I've been told he might be Irish. But whatever he is, he is a mighty man of valor. Colin Flaherty hosts a Victim Live Matter. Victim Lives Matter protest in Wilmington, Delaware yesterday. And he wanted to bring attention to the victims of black crime. About time. Well, he's been doing it for a long time now. Here's the uh, soundbite from that. Welcome to the party. We're shutting down Interstate 95, northbound, directly under the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard sign. How's everybody doing? Let's take a look at these signs. Come on, Dallas. Give me some video. Let's go underneath, Dallas. Underneath. We're here to dramatize, talk about the greatest hoax of our lifetime, the greatest lie of our generation, the myth of black victimization, the hoax of white racism. That's amazing. We need more of that. More protests, speak up, get involved, organize, stand up, stand up. Uh, the state troopers eventually showed up uh, to shut down the protest, but thank God he was out there doing something. He was out there doing something. You got to be doing something. Who's and the point we were trying to make on Monday to our viewers, to our friends, to our allies, is that you don't have to be professional organizers. You just have to be people that really just want to change your own corner of the world. And when you do it, you do it. You don't look back to see who's following you. You don't look on the sidelines to see who's applauding you or scorning you. You take your message out there and get it out any way you can. People who, that's what, that's what leaders do. That's what brave people do. That's what you can do and lots of other people are going to start doing with their own pushback. So, there's a guy on Twitter today. I have to confess, I got a little annoyed with him. I shouldn't get annoyed with people. Maybe I'm just a crotchety old dude, but that's okay now because as we talked about yesterday, old people are going to save this entire American enterprise from itself. We are going to be the ones who speak out, who act, because we can't be touched. We can't be threatened, harassed, intimidated. So somebody on Twitter today, I think his name was Bob or something like that, he says, hey, does anybody know where any more of these protests are? Uh, I don't, you know, Collins, Collins protests didn't get much media attention. Well, here's, here, first of all, I tweeted back. I said, I don't, I don't know why you would say anything so wrong, so stupid, so hurtful, and not something that wasn't correct. Getting tons of media attention. Let's add some of it up. What about our live stream? The live stream, I've gotten one stream and has 50,000 and people are spreading it around. That, that live stream and a couple of other live streams of the event 
are now well over 100,000 views. 100,000! All we had to do was show up, click a button, and, and post it on Twitter. 100,000. How many views do you think the Alex Jones story got? How many views? These are not small websites. These are not hole-in-the-wall, out-of-the-way places. How about Red Elephants? Ditto, ditto, big place, big story. Another place today, big league politics, big story. So anyway, but, but here's, the, here's, here's why I kind of jumped on the guy. is because he thought that because we did not have everybody from the New York Times to the Washington Post to 60 Minutes to ABC Evening News out there with a bank of microphones where I could make a pronouncement that we are here to draw attention to all this black crime violence and their white and other victims. He thought because we didn't have that, well, that just did not meet his standards for success. Why are we letting our enemies validate us? Why do you give those people permission, the people who hate us, the people responsible for creating the greatest lie of our generation, and you are giving them permission to validate what we are trying to do to fight them? You know, in Sung Tzu, The Art of War, one of his most important things that come out of that book is when you're fighting a war, the most important, one of the most important things you can do, have to do at the beginning, you must convince the enemy they cannot win. And so when I see people on our, are supposed to be our friends, acting like frenemies, I have to correct that person, but I'm not really correcting that person. I'm really kind of trying to edify the entire audience and using that person just as an example. So we're getting a ton of attention, a ton of talk radio. I'll be doing tons of, sh I'm doing, got shows scheduled for weeks in advance right now. Am I sitting around waiting for the New York Times to call and say, Colin, remember all those times we called you and interviewed you, but we never put, never ran a story? Ditto for Atlantic, ditto for Vanity Fair, ditto for the New Yorker, ditto for the Wall Street Journal, ditto for the Times of London. Ditto for The Guardian. Ditto for Newsweek. Remember all those times? We finally figured it out, Colin. You were right. We're going to admit in our own publications that you were right, we were wrong, and all that stuff we published was not only wrong, it was dangerous and cost a lot of people their lives and livelihood. You think that's going to happen? I, <laughs> look, I get it. I know, I know. Listen. I know everybody wants the everybody wants the validation. Everybody wants it, but we have to kind of rejigger our sensibilities. You're going to wait around for Anderson Cooper to come down and say, "Hey, Colin, so tell me about these what you call fellas and what they're doing, Colin." You're going to wait for Don Lemon, who calls white people the terrorists, the biggest terrorist threat in this country right now. You're going to you're waiting for him to acknowledge. This, this tsunami of black violence, crime, and dysfunction in this country? You're waiting for that? When you're at the beginning of something, you don't get the luxury of sitting around and going, hey, when you get a million other people, let me know. I'll join then. That's not the way this enterprise works. That's not the way we're going to save this country. Just like Victor David Hansen said the other day, another night on Tucker Carlson show, and it was true. 
everything that's happening right now leads him to think, and this is not just something that people say every four years, but said that the stakes here are so high. It's beyond Democrat, Republican, beyond liberal, conservative, even beyond black and white. This is an election to decide the existential fate of the United States of America and whether we're going to be a nation of laws or just we're going to degenerate into just a bunch of tribes, identity politics. Uh, that is not a sustainable way to, to exist as the greatest country in the world. And if you're going to fight that with me, you're going to have to rejigger your senses as to where you fit into the big scheme of things. You Whoever aren't listening to this right now, all of us have to do what we can do. If you want to do something, if you want to put something on, if you want to draw attention to this incredible level of black violence, first of all, reach down in your pants and make sure you're grabbing a pair of a pair of, a pair of cojones, a pair of stones. You're going to need them, okay? Because between here and the time you do your event, the entire universe is going to tell you you're stupid. Don't do it. Even your friends, even your buddies, your big talking buddies in the backyard are going to say, oh man, that's not the way to do it, man. We can't go out there and stop a freeway. No, Colin, we can't do that, man. No, it's not going to work, Colin. You know, I've in a previous life, so I had a PR marketing business where my specialty was working for big landowners who were basically in Southern California, they're the biggest villains in the world. So my specialty was using talk radio and the commentary and the news section of these newspapers to get their message out in an unfiltered way and to help them be able to build their houses. So in the pro and I've had you know a lot I've had other clients in sports and music and other stuff. So over the years I've booked thousands of talk radio appearances for other people. I've had stories on two stories on 60 minutes. Stories on all the major network news shows. Lots and lots and lots of thousands of commentaries in local local national papers around the world, including the biggest paper in Russia and the Biggest paper in Brazil. So I know what it takes to get media attention to this stuff. And I also know the big media people in this country just are not buying into this greatest lie of our generation. They're so busy perpetrating it, they don't want to expose it. And so for us to set the bar saying, well, we're not, you know, this is not going to be a real effort until it gets blessed by CNN. Do you see how stupid that sounds? Do you see how much you're hurting yourself? Do you see how much you're hurting other people who want to make a difference by thinking and saying something like that? So right now, in this country, today, over 100,000 people were, were, were exposed to information about that, about that protest we had. And it didn't take much to do. It was very simple. It was very persuasive. Very powerful. One of my brother's buddies is uh, running for state legislature. His name is Eric Morrison for state representative. So here's what he wrote. Here's what's happening on I-95 in Wilmington, and it is vile and repugnant. I can think of some other folks who deliver a similar message while wearing hoods. 
And then he had hundreds of comments on his Facebook page, mostly from his friends. Well, I'd say about 90% were in favor of what he said. But here's what I was very interested in reading. I was very interested in seeing how many people, a lot, said their big goal in life, if they had been there, would have been to get out and take pictures so they could have doxed everybody. And one girl said, oh man, I would have been so, I would have been so proud to stand up and publicly shame that person. Not one person, not one of the hundreds of people who left comments on that Facebook page trying to condemn what we were doing, not one person said, what Colin said, 93% of the interracial crime in this country is black and white. Colin said 75% of the mass shooters in this country are black. Are black. Oh, wait till you see the mass shooting we get into in a minute here. Oh, man. Whew. Colin said 50, 60, 70% of black women are raped before they turn 18. 90% of those rapes are never reported. Not one of them would dis could disagree with that or a million other facts out there. In Wilmington, Delaware, Murder Town, USA, Chocolate Town, USA. During the rally yesterday, we played a little bit of it. We gave some specific, some couple of specific examples about Wilmington, where the police, where where kids, where fe little fellows were throwing rocks over a several-day period throwing rocks at a synagogue, rocks at a rabbi. And when the cops showed up, their main number one goal is they did not want to criminalize the children. They did not want to arrest them because how dare we judge those little fellas based on what they did in a one hour period on one day or two days or three days or five days or 10 days. How, how can we do that? Is that good? How is that young man going to get into Harvard if on the transcripts it says, oh yeah, besides the uh, getting suspended for throwing rocks at a house of worship and at a rabbi, the kid's been solidly average his entire life on a good day. So now we get this clown. Everybody in there, everybody's going, yeah, they're not even from Delaware. Yeah, well, we were from Delaware, all right. Now this clown, Eric Morrison, I think he's going to find he may have bitten off a bit more than he can chew. And so anyway, so that's so that's the thing about so let, let's I want to move on to, to our buddy. What's his name? Bubba something or other the NASCAR driver here. Let's have a takeaway that. We need to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We need to let people know who are kind of, I think there's a lot of people waiting to be activated. We have to encourage them, buck them up, show them how easy it is to do. Show them they don't have to set impossibly high standards to have 10,000 people there. Just do what you can in your corner of the world. You're not going to get a magic bullet, okay? So let's not, that's not how you win wars. See, none of these things, like if you're in the advertising or marketing or any of these PR game, you don't really think in turn when you want to achieve your goal and persuade somebody to think a certain way so they'll do a certain thing, even if it means changing their mind, which is very difficult to do, but I can, I've done that many a time. 
You change people's minds a little bit at a time. That's how you do it. Until, you know, after they change their mind one degree a day in six months, they're 180 degrees where they were before. And so let's not set the goals of saying, yeah, we want 10,000 people in the streets and 20 microphones from the largest TV stations in the world at your protest. No, it's not how the world is working. That's not how our world is working. That's not how we are going to fight the greatest lie of this generation. Good Lord, it's getting greater and greater and greater every day. I just keep having this image of this, this balloon or this thing that keeps getting puffed up and puffed up and puffed up and puffed up. And it's just, it's just not sustainable in its current condition. If it gets bigger, it's going to pop. And that where it is right now, it's going to pop soon enough. Are the fella, have the fellas finally overplayed their hand? Is everybody in this country just going to look around and go, yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about the CEOs who are sending out pieces of email to everybody, reminding them if you don't, if you're not down with Black Lives Matter, then you're not a very nice person. I'm just talking about regular people in their backyards that look around and go, I'm not the bad guy, I'm the good guy. The people burning stuff down, they're the bad guys, and they want to be in charge. And they, when they get in charge, they're going to look at me and think I'm the bad guy. How do you think that's going to turn out when that happens? You think you and your boys are going to be sitting around your backyard with a barbecue and a $9 glass of beer in your hand? Okay, well, good luck with that magical thinking. Speaking of magical thinking, boy, we got so much stuff going on here today. I wanted to do something about this NASCAR driver. What I thought was, okay, so you guys heard the story, right? They found a noose in his garage at the Talladega Speedway. And uh, all of a sudden, the head of NASCAR's there. All of a sudden, there are 15 FBI, and, and the whole world is like going crazy. It's like, oh my God, there's a noose. Some hate crimes. Let me put a noose in that black driver's, black driver's thing. Oh my God, how could, how could we live in such a hateful world? Of course, people who covered hate crimes, especially people like Michelle Malkin, she was right out there, right out front, right away going, oh no, that's a hoax. That didn't happen. So, but meanwhile, nobody cared. Nobody cared about how many of these nooses and signs and graffiti and these hate crimes turn out to be fake. Nobody cares. Everyone's real. And when it turns out to be not real, everybody has the same answer, which is, well, that might have been fake. You know, they had the story, we had the facts wrong, but the story's right. White people still really suck, and they're still roaming the countryside attacking black people every night, or as the goat from Akron would say, every day. So, but I, what I thought set this one apart, whatever Bubba's last name is, the driver, the black NASCAR driver. By the way, I was talking to my buddy about Bubba. I said, what kind of driver? He, he's a NASCAR person. I said, what kind of driver is he? He said he's one of the worst drivers out there. In his entire career, he's had the lead in, for like three laps in one race. I said, well, is he better than Dana Kilpatrick, the woman, the NASCAR driver? He goes, oh, man, she's, her record is way better than his. 
And no one ever said she was a superstar or even good. They just said she was kind of, you know, in the middle of the pack. So we get this guy now. And, and so, so the FBI comes in. 15 FBI agents descend on Alabama to investigate the noose. Remember, this is the same FBI that six months ago was telling everybody that white nationalists present the greatest threat of domestic terrorism in this country. They were saying that during the last riots when Philly was burning, Baltimore burning, New York burning, live. They're issuing a report going, yeah, it's those damn white nationalists, man. They're a threat to everybody. And by the way, don't think we've forgotten about the governor of Minnesota who said, yeah, white nationalists are, are responsible for all the riots. They're kind of in disguise. So are the drug cartels. And somebody said, well, how do you know that? He goes, well, we've got intercepts from the NSA. Yeah, the dude's like James Bond now. He goes up into his governor's office, pulls out a secret, you know, uh, high-frequency radio, turns it to a certain dial at a certain time, and, he, and they whisper national security secrets into his headphones. Those are the psychos running our country now. The governor of Minnesota. Okay, so this thing was playing out just like all the other hoaxes, right? It's like, okay, yeah, it's not a hoax. The F 15 agents go to Talladega. Meanwhile, there are thousands of people around the country on federal land destroying federal monuments, and we take 15 people and stick them in a garage in Talladega over a fake noose. Anybody getting arrested on these statues? Anybody getting arrested for defacing the Lincoln Memorial? But no, we got to send them down to Talladega to make sure Bubba is taken care of. Make sure all the people running NASCAR are supported when their fight against this, the struggle against this white racism that's keeping so many black people down. And that's the only reason why you don't see more black people in the NASCAR crowd, right? Because of all those bad NASCAR people who are big, bad, lousy, black-hating white people. Okay, so that plays out, but here's where he took it to a new level. I'm not, I was going to play it, but we got so much stuff to do. I don't want to play this. He goes on with Don Lemon, and he just doubles after the FBI comes in and goes, yeah, all the garages have one. This is not a noose. It's just a thing you use for pulling a garage door up and down. Not a big deal. I've been getting pictures all day, like of people sending me pictures, like a guy just sent me a picture of a clothes. Uh, you know, if you go to a uh, hardware store and buy a clothesline, if you look at it, it's wrapped up. It looks like a noose. He goes on Don Lemon. He doubles down. No, that's a noose. Straight up. That's a noose. So he and Don Lemon are just sitting. You know, let's hear the Don Lemon thing. It's too good. Listen, this is how I feel about it, okay? And people can think what they want. Um, did NASCAR get it wrong? No, I shouldn't say that. Did they jump the gun? Maybe. Yes. But I am extremely happy with what, and I think most Americans are, what NASCAR is doing. And I think in this environment, and I have said it before, this hypercharged environment, that we should all cut each other some slack, okay? Because if NASCAR hadn't done the right thing, if they didn't act the way they did, then people would be criticizing them for moving slowly. And so I think it, what they said was, we are investigating. And they investigated and they found out that it wasn't a hate crime. So did they perhaps act quickly? Yes. Did they get it wrong? Someone. 
But I think that people will forgive them for this mistake because of the times that we're in. And so, and I think that you have conducted yourself in, uh, you know, amazingly. So I don't think you should be worried about that. I think that you and NASCAR should pick up from here, go on and continue to do what you're doing. You have the support of all of your team members and NASCAR. And so look at this as something that happens when you are evolving and changing. Have you seen ropes like that hanging from garages? Um, is that, is that typical? Don, the, the, the image that I have and I have seen of, of what was hanging in my garage is not a, uh, it's not a garage pool. Um, I've, uh, I've been racing all my life. I've, we've, we've raced out of hundreds of garages that, uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of, of, of knots being, um, in, uh, in, in, in their, as their evidence, go ahead. But from the evidence that we have, um, that I have, uh, it's a straight up noose. So this guy, Bubba, I guess I'll figure out it. Bubba Wallace. I guess Bubba Wallace is, I guess one of his parents was white, one was black. So anyway, Bubba's black. And now he's making the circuit of all the black reporters. And of course, if you're going to take a, if you're going to take a story about a fake hate crime, and make it a try so you can pass it off as a real hate crime. Why would you go anywhere else but Gail King, who, who uh, informs her audience from time to time with her racial pearls of wisdom, which is my favorite one is everybody knows black people can't be racist. So let's hear uh, there's something in this interview I want you to hear. And uh, it even shocked Gail's delicate sensibilities. I want to start with the federal investigator's conclusion no crime was con committed. Therefore, they say there will be no federal charges. How are you processing this latest turn of events? Yeah, no, that was a relief that, you know, I wasn't targeted at anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was, you know, I was delivered the, uh, the information when it all went down uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, um, and was just kind of following set there, knowing that it was in NASCAR's hands and that uh, I didn't report it. I was just delivered the information. So, no, you were told by the head of NASCAR, you said, um, yeah, who came but, to you in a very emotional state saying that this had happened. How could something, this is what I don't get, Bubba, how could it have been there for nine months and no one noticed it before? I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, you know, I guess you know, we're, we're all kind of hypersensitive to what's going on in the world right now. And, and uh, my crew member had just looked over and, and seen, you know, what was in the shape of a noose. And it, in fact, was a noose. I've seen the footage or the, the video, or I'm sorry, the picture yeah. of, the, of the garage pool, as we want to call it, to, uh, to make everybody happy here. Um, that... You know, it was in fact the shape of a noose. Uh, the FBI backed that up 100%. Uh, never thought I'd be talking to the FBI, but uh, but they said absolutely is a noose. Not a functioning noose, but it is a noose, and they were curious on why that was even hanging as well. So. And didn't you say, didn't um, you say, all, Bubba, that it was hanging over your car? Didn't you say that it was hanging over your specific car, your area? Uh, it was in my garage bay. I never seen it. Um, you never personally. saw it. Uh, I never, you know, walked up and seen it. Yeah, I never seen it. Okay, so there's Bubba. The guy's having trouble putting together a thought. 
He looks dumb, to tell you the truth. Listen, I don't believe gearheads are dumb. But let's just say Bubba had a lot of, spent a lot of time in his life, his head under the hood of a car and not his, not, and not his nose in a book, okay? That's plain. So at the end of it, he's going, he's talking about he's seen something, and then you're looking at a split screen. There's Gail King on the left. And as soon as he says, I seen, Gail's Gail like looks like somebody like prodded her with like a hundred volts of electricity. I don't know, is that a lot of electricity? They prodded her with a taser. Yeah, she's like, boom. Oh my God, she's got this civil rights hero right on her own screen, and the guy clearly can't even speak an English sentence. He's the one who's going to lead black people into the promised land. So he says, I, did you hear him say it? I seen this. And if you look at Gail, you can barely hear it on the video. But what you see her say and hear her say is, I saw. But that guy, he didn't care what Gail King was saying. He just kept talking. And by the, and the next 20 seconds, he used the I seen construction three more times. You know, I guess you got to take your civil rights heroes as you find them. And this guy is clown number one. All right, let's get to something actually more serious. But I woke up this morning. I turned, I listened, I turned on my one of the podcasts I listened to in the morning. One of the NPR affiliates. It was a story out of New York. It was a story out of New York. It's a black woman. She does public opinion polling, especially of the fellows and lovely ladies. I tried to find this on the, again, I couldn't find it. But what they were talking about was something about black attitude towards this, black attitude towards that. And um, I forget exactly how the question was phrased or what the question was, but she said there's an, an unusually large number of black people who believe in revolution. And so... I know those are crazy words, but I'm just telling you, from what we see all over the country right now, it kind of confirms what, in a more dramatic fashion, what we've been talking about around here for a long time. The fellows are not really into white people. They're not into Asian people, young people, old people, gay people, straight people, all the way up to kitties, puppies, turtles, chickens, and chiropractors. Not into them. They're not into this country. Go to a Memorial Day celebration. Tell me how many fellows are there. Count them on one hand. Go to a 4th of July celebration. Look at your Twitter stream. You'll see people like Chris Rock reminding everybody that this is your Independence Day, not an Independence Day for the fellas because we were slaves. And really, if you look at the big picture of all the stuff we've been documenting around here for the last couple of years, it's like, they're just not attached to the rules of our civilization. They're, they're just not. When we see all these large, I mean, the stuff we saw in the last month, how many, how many hundreds of riots have there been in this country? The burning, the looting, the laughing, laughing, always laughing, the scorn, the hostility, the resentment, the murder. The attacks on police. I was watching Debbie Dingle on Fox News today. She was talking to, forget his name, John Scott. 
And she's lamenting the fact the Republican Democrats, they got, you know, we haven't been able to work together. We got to sit down. It's a big problem. We got to sit down and solve this problem of, of police abuse. Then she said, you know, I actually know a few, co a few cops that are good. Oh, very, very generous of you, De Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. And then she said, we got to solve the problem because black cops treat black people differently than white people. Okay, so, I mean, what a staggering thing to say. So if Debbie Dingell were here right now, I think she represents, she's from Michigan. I think she represents part of the Detroit area. I mean, so are cops picking on the fellas in Detroit for no reason whatsoever? Are they picking on the fellas in Flint, Michigan, Grand Rapids? Just do a magical mystery tour of all the black cities around Detroit. Every single one, the cops are picking on fellas stopping them for no reason whatsoever, arresting them. And then they get tried for no reason, convicted for no reason, sent to prison for no reason. Is that what you would have us believe? That's why the cops are picking on the fellas. The cops are picking on the fellas, to use your expression, is because the fellas are committing an avalanche of crime, violence, mayhem, and dysfunction. Okay? That's why. Cops are, when the cops are, you know, go to work in the morning, they're in their car. They go where they are told to go, Gener all generated by 911 calls. They're not getting those calls from white neighborhoods. They're getting them from the fellas. And all over the country now, people, all these papers are running headlines as if it's only happening in their city. Los Angeles, Philly, New York, Baltimore, Washington, many, many more. It's like, wow. Shootings are up. Hey, I thought everybody's supposed to be locked down. No, shootings are way up. What about burglaries? Way up. What about violence? Way up. And now I'm going through going through my email today, thinking we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about the hoax of Bubba Wallace and how he's now doubling down on the hoax, even after the FBI said it wasn't a hoax. He's still playing the racial victim. No, I thought that was very interesting. We got to put that aside. There has been an avalanche of mass shootings in the last few days all over the country. and I, so, so please, on my Twitter stream or in my email, please don't email me and say, hey, Colin, we've had three mass shootings this year. All the fellas. No, we're, we're having like 20 or 30 a week. 75 to 90% of them are done by the fellas. Let's do a little magical mystery tour, blow through like, I don't even know how many we have here. What do we got? We got 10? Last couple days. Last night, police responded to six separate shootings, leaving 12 people injured. The map we're about to show on your screen, it outlines where each of those shootings were. One of them sent nine people to the hospital, one in critical condition. This is the chaotic scene in the area of Wyoming and Marcellus streets. It unfolded just before nine o'clock last night. Police say there was a crowd of several hundred people frantically running, saying someone was firing a gun. Chaos unfolding. Police boxing off Marcellus Street between West Fayette, Niagara, Otisco, and Wyoming. 
Officers trying to figure out who shot nine people, one of them a teenager in the head. You need to stay focused on what's happening right now. We have nine people that have been shot, uh, one of whom is in critical condition. Uh, we need to be thinking about and praying for those victims and their families. Mayor Ben Walsh addressing the recent string of violence in the city. Police Chief Kenton Buckner saying officers were responding to a report of a stolen car when several hundred people ran toward police saying someone was shooting from the crowd. That crowd was gathering for an annual party. The chief says officers did not hear gunfire but are now working to figure out who sent nine people to the hospital, creating tension and terror on the city's west side. Our city is a very resilient city. Uh, we've taken a lot of licks over our, our history uh, and this will certainly be one that we will remember. Well, there's no suspect at this time, but Chief Buckner has said they do not believe there's any threat to the public. And now to breaking news, Palm Beach County Sheriff's deputies find five gunshot victims in two locations, but have reason to believe it's all connected. WPTV News Channel 5's Todd Wilson has the very latest on this active investigation tonight. Todd? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's still a busy scene out here. As you can see behind me here, you can see all the squad cars with the lights and everything. They just had a couple of tow trucks go through there. I guess they're going to be pulling out some cars here. Now, they've got the yellow tape up all over the place, blocking the place off. There's uh, uh, bullet casings all over the ground. Five people are being treated for this shooting. And now this is actually just down the road from Deerfield Place and the intersection of Deerfield Place and Edge Cliff Avenue. Now, here's what I know. Now, Roughly around 8 o'clock, deputies uh, responded to a shooting at Indian Pine Park in the Concept Homes development. Once they got here, they found five people who had been shot. Now, all the victims had been taken to a local hospital. Uh, investigators with the Palm Beach uh, County Sheriff's Department say they believe the shooters shot out of the, uh, at the group while driving by. Now, right now, a motive for the shooting is unknown. Now, back out here live, what they're doing, they've, they set up a perimeter looking for this shooter. It's not clear as to whether they found him just yet, but as you can see, it is a busy scene out here, still checking everything to just to figure out exactly why this happened. San Francisco police have blocked off an area in the Tenderloin where five people have been shot. Chopper 5 showing us the scene over Leavenworth Street between Turk and Eddie. Here's some video from the ground from the Citizen app. Police say all five of those men are expected to be okay, but at this time there's no information on a suspect or what led up to the shooting. We have breaking news in Brooklyn where five people were shot during a vigil. This is new video from the scene on Sterling Place in Prospect Heights. A vigil was held there last night for the victim of another crime. It was just before 11 o'clock when somebody opened fire, hitting three women and two men. They're all expected to survive. No arrests have been made. News at 10. Chaos erupts after a search for two missing teenagers on Milwaukee's north side. The Target house, torched by protesters and people nearby as police are forced to flee. Gunshots and tear gas flood the streets near the scene. Our Mark McPherson is on the scene and we do expect to hear from police soon, but we're going to go out live to Mark now with the latest on what's happening. Yeah, Natalie, it was a pretty chaotic day for most of the day today. It started at a home on the 2100 block of 40th Street. A crowd gathered outside that home, and neighbors say that home is commonly known in that neighborhood, at least, to be used for human trafficking. Now, police did kick in the front door of that home and search all three levels. While that was going on, neighbors told me when we were in the crowd that they had planned on burning that home down at some point that day. They were sick of having it in their neighborhood. Police left after searching the home. The crowd immediately started breaking windows. Eventually 
essentially, as you can see, set fire to that home. At some point during the chaos, our crew was attacked. We eventually were forced to leave that area as well as during that unrest. There were shots fired. Video can be seen of someone shooting at uh, with a handgun at a car full of people. We're told by police that two people suffered non-life-threatening injuries in all of that. Now, police were going to hold a press conference on that street about an hour and a half ago. While we were there, we heard further gunshots. Pretty soon afterwards, police all left the area and they told us we needed to leave the area as well. So we have not been back since then. Police still plan on holding a press conference. They say they're going to hold it here any minute now. So we will bring that to you live when it does happen. We'll have more of this story on our website, CBS West Side. Over new this morning, we're waiting to hear back from Buffalo police about this scene on the city's west side overnight. This video was shot around 4.30 this morning. There was a lot of police activity centered around the bridge to Bird Island Pier, Broderick Park, in Unity Island. The street was blocked off at West Ferry and Niagara Streets. Now, the call originally came in to police as reports of a shooting. Again, we've reached out to Buffalo Police for more information. The county sheriff is releasing pictures of two suspects in a shooting at Blue Aster Cabaret over the weekend. A shooting left four people hurt. Deputies are asking for your help finding 23-year-old Jack Uzias, Antoine Amora Wiggins, and 27-year-old DeMont DeAndre Green. Five people are reportedly shot at a motel during a party. This is at the Super 8 on North Rock Road. It started around 3 a.m. Of the five people who've been shot, none has life-threatening injuries. Police say there was a party happening when shots were fired. Most have been treated and released already or are being held for observation. One of the victims was not involved with the party. They say police, a stray bullet hit her through a wall. Police say upwards of 20 shots were fired, all said and done, damaging some cars when the disturbance moved out into the parking lot. Sheriff's deputies and Wichita police on the scene. K-9 and some officers also searched near a quick trip on 37th North at one point. No suspect so far has been. In Auburn, officers responding to a complaint of gunshots at a resident on the 600 a residence on the 600 block of Railroad Avenue. That happened shortly after midnight. Officers finding four individuals who'd been shot, three of those victims with non-life-threatening injuries, a fourth person in critical condition. That the case is still being investigated by... Five with new information into a triple shooting overnight, and it's good news. One of the two children injured in the shooting has just been released from the hospital. But that news comes as police are still on the hunt for the shooter. Happened late last night on Plainview and Pembroke, right in the area of Seven Mile and Evergreen. The other two victims, an adult and a 10-year-old, both still in the hospital. Let's get to Victor Williams, live at police headquarters. And uh, Victor, you spoke to the father of the 9-year-old. Yeah, that's right. Neither does he or police have any type of idea on a motive in this, but we're told that it was a group of fathers and their daughters out just enjoying the fireworks when someone walked up and started unloading bullets. Can I believe something like that would even take place? I truly don't get it. Terrence Nelson is still trying to wrap his mind around what led to his nine-year-old daughter, Dior, being shot while looking at fireworks with her friends in front of their home on Plainview the night of... Father's Day. Him and his kids over there. So I called my daughter out to come on, let's go over here and let's go look at the fireworks. Soon as we stepped down, I see the guy shooting, shooting this way. All I saw was the flashes. 
That's a dang fireworks. Dior was hit along with her 10-year-old friend and her 37-year-old father. Both are now in the hospital in critical condition. If I turn and shield my daughter, and then she tell me, damn, my arm feel like it's broke. Fortunately for Dior, the bullet went in and came right out. She's now recovering. You never know when it's over. That could have been way worse. Thank God it did not happen that way. Police are now looking for who's ever responsible. In Columbus, Ohio, earlier this week, here's the headline, teen killed, four others hospitalized after shooting in East Columbus. I mean, that, I don't even think that merited a, a video story. That was just something they slapped up on their website. Apparently, there's other things more interesting happening in Columbus this weekend than the mass shootings over there. So I like doing stories about the mass shootings because it really makes people's heads explode. Colin, what about Dylan Roof? What about all those kids at school? Well, 75 to 90% of mass shootings are black. That's not true, Colin. Yeah, it's true. We just saw it there. All those were black. If you could show me some white mass shootings this week, I'd be more than grateful. But So that's kind of a really powerful, I think, thing to talk about with people. The mass shootings is just one thing. But another thing we've seen lately, we've seen that the left is starting to eat its own. And we did a story the other day about the mayor of Olympia. Ditto for the mayor of New Orleans. The mayor of Olympia is a white chick. Mayor of New Orleans is a black woman. And they both, but the protesters went to both of their houses. They both thought they were down with the cause. The mayor of Olympia was down with the cause because, hey, people, I'm a rich, white, progressive chick. You know, I like Black Lives Matter. I like all this stuff. Why are you at my house? You might scare the, you might scare the 12-year-old child of one of my neighbors. You're scaring her. Can you please go riot somewhere else? <laughs> the mayor of New Orleans said the same thing. Oh, I'm a black woman. I grew up in a black neighborhood, so why are you out here bugging me? You're scaring my child. Could you please go somewhere else and you do your rioting thing? They're just eating their own. Now, here's a, here's a guy out of Wisconsin. The great state of Wisconsin. And um, his name is Senator Tim Carper. He's a state senator. And if you go to his, I think this is a uh, Facebook page. Somebody sent me this link. You go to his Facebook page, at least before this happened to him, there's a big picture of him in a circle. And around the outside of the circle are the letters Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, ringing the circle. Inside the circle, there's a heart with the gay pride uh, flag in it. And there's also a black fist in it. So this dude is down with the cause of Black Lives Matter, down with the cause of black oppression, white racism all the way. Well, I don't know if the dude's gonna have anything to change his mind, but he was at a Black Lives Matter demonstration in Madison, Wisconsin. That's the capital of Wisconsin. A nasty little town, not just because of all the liberals who live there, but there's a lot of public housing in Madison. And the fellows who live in the public housing, that's just like, you know, they're just like the lions next to the water hole. And they just go down to the water hole anytime they want, wait for the gazelle to come by. And that's what Madison is like. 
Yeah, the white people, white liberals in Madison are willing victims of all this black crime violence. Yeah, they got the district attorney and the chief of police did a little press conference a few months ago reminding everybody that, you know what? It doesn't do any good to arrest these people when they commit crimes. We have to rehabilitate them. And that's what I'm going to do. And everybody was like saying, yeah, go, go, go. So anyway, this guy is uh, at a rally, at a Black Lives Matter rally at the Capitol, just in the crowd, taking some pictures. He must have felt very confident knowing that he was down with the cause. I think when a politician goes to something like that, I think they're secretly hoping that all the fellas are going to see him, pat him on the back, give him the black power sign and say, right on, brother, you're one of us now. That's not what happened to Senator, State Senator Tim Carper, Carpenter. They saw him taking pictures and a couple people from the rally came over and this is what he said happened. I took this picture. It got me assaulted and beat up, punched, kicked in the head, neck, ribs, maybe a concussion, socked in the left eyes, a little blurry, sore neck and ribs, eight to ten people attacked me, innocent people are going to get killed, capital is locked, I'm stuck in my office, please stop the violence now, this is to do with a black power symbol, a fist, a raised fist on his Facebook page. And now he becomes the victim of that. And he wants to tell the rest of us that somehow the fellas should get their act together. Where do they get these fools? Of course, the whole thing in Seattle, of course, that whole thing is collapsing on itself. I hope they let them stay there for the rest of their lives during the summer of love. Anyway, here's a story at a couple different places. It's about this Japanese photographer slash reporter he's um here's the headline from uh, the web japanese report is from the nationalist japanese reporter tries to prove black lives matter is peaceful he leaves with a black eye 15 minutes later so they talk about how this guy was going around the country talking about antifa how black lives matter is a great thing and he was going around to prove to everybody that black people are really peaceful and all the stuff you're hearing in Japan about black people being violent and wicked and dysfunctional people, none of it's true. He goes into Chaz in Seattle, that little encampment down there. He's in there for 15 minutes and they beat the living piss out of him. Sorry, not sorry. But even as black crime and violence is exploding right now across the country, there are, there are, there are places around the country that are doing everything they can to, f to fulfill our observation that crime is the new black entitlement. If they see black people breaking a law, they don't ask black people to like obey the law. They'll say, no, we'll change the law so you can break it, but nothing will happen to you. Sounds strange, right? Sounds like unbelievable, right? Here's a story out of a or county in Oregon. Here's the headline from the New York Post. Oregon County issues face mask order that exempts non-white people. Okay, so they exempted them. Okay, non-white here means black. Everybody knows it means black. They exempted non-white, the black people, from wearing the masks because of something we talked about a month or so ago, that there's a big article saying the fellas do not want to wear masks because they're afraid they wear masks. White people will think they're, they're burglars or robbers, or rapists, or killers, 
and white people will take a gun out and shoot them. Yeah, I guess wearing that mask kind of must amplify your mind reading skills somehow. So you're just walking around and you see all these white people wearing a mask and all of a sudden it's like, it's all so clear now. They all hate me. They want to kill me. They think I'm a killer. What should I do? Take off the mask. Convince these idiots in Oregon to exempt black people from wearing masks. Listen, you may or may not like masks. I don't know. If I go to a public place, the sign says wear a mask. I put one on and shut up. I'm a hermit anyway, so nobody's... And I just got tested. I'm clean. But the idea that you would set black, take black people out of the crowd and say, Oh no, you little fellas don't have to wear masks. You're special. You're our special little fellas. Don't worry about masks. That doesn't seem... I mean, do I even have to sit here and explain why that's insane? Ditto in Seattle. This is like a Seattle press release. City Council repeals problematic law to reduce disproportionate impact on communities of color. Listen, nobody's giving a damn about Japanese people in, in Seattle or Chinese people or Filipino people running the streets killing people. That is not happening. The Hispanic crime is way lower than black crime. So what are they going to do? They're going to, they've repealed some prostitution laws, some loitering laws, and they're just in the process of repealing all these laws that people have in order to make their city safe and livable and civilized. And the only reason they're repealing them is not that the laws are unimportant, but they just don't feel like arresting black people for breaking them. Isn't this an admission of everything that we talk about here? Black crime and violence is wildly out of proportion. No, it's not, Colin. But in the meantime, we're going to repeal all these laws because we catch too many black people breaking them. Or white people breaking them, too. Yeah, but when they do, they're wearing the cloak of invisibility, Colin. We just don't catch them. God, where do we get these people? Now let's go out to Cleveland. So in Cleveland, this is the same thing that plays out. It's played out on like a dozen mass transit system around the country, especially in New York and Washington two years ago. Two years ago, they decriminalized fare evasion. And again, I was talking to Reverend Bacon about this at the time. It's like, you decriminalize fare evasion, so what? Fair? I mean, you just made getting on the subway in New York and Washington free, correct? I mean, nobody's going to like come by a year later and go, hey, where'd all the money go? Because nobody's paying fares anymore. That's what happened. And when it happened, first thing they did is, well, we got to get some money from the federal government or our system's going to collapse. We got to get money from here, there, everywhere. Nobody even tried. I don't, I re represent this obvious fact to you as true. Nobody even tried to connect the dots that making outlaw, you know, outlawing, outlawing fair evasion or outlawing the outlawing of fair evasion. One year is connected to a drastic drop in revenue the next. That has nothing to do with it, Colin. Not at all. Anyway, the people in Cleveland think this is working so well that they too want to give black people free rides on their public transit system. And if by chance they're not free, they don't want them being arrested or ticketed or harassed in any way if the cops catch them. For stealing services, that's what it is. You're stealing services from the mass transit system. 
Let's hear this little white liberal artist chicky with a big bust trying to explain to us why she's so, uh, why her virtue is pure and ours is not. We are gathering this morning as writers who are concerned about racial inequity um, when it comes to mass transit. Um, it's something that is a problem everywhere in a lot of facets of life, but that is no exception for mass transit as well. Um, we are asking for the RTA to reallocate 50% of its uh, police budget to restore service uh, that's been cut and to provide uh, fair relief for riders. So the chaos on the streets of our cities in the neighborhoods of people of color, no, in the black neighborhoods. This is not happening in the Chinese neighborhoods or the Hispanic neighborhoods. It's happening in the black hoods. Chaos. This is from, I want you, this is actually a video from Baltimore. There's like 10, a white kid somehow stops his car in the hood, gets out of the car, he's no shirt on. Bunch of fellas come running up to him, fireworks, and they're holding the fire, huge bottle rockets. They're firing it right at him. They're hitting him almost point blank with these sparkling, dangerous, fiery fireworks. Let's listen to what that sounds like. And when you hear when you hear with that, imagining this white kid running away, imagining a bunch of black people chasing him, throwing trash cans at him, laughing the entire time. Oh, oh my God. Why are they doing this to this guy? Oh my God. Corey, come down here, Corey. Oh my God, what the fuck they doing? Oh my God, why are they doing this to this guy? Oh my God. What the? Oh my God. What the fuck are they doing? Where the police at? Any, any, any. Look at this bullshit right here. What the fuck? Why don't we go out, okay, from Baltimore, why don't we go out to the home of the GOAT? LeBron James, Akron, Ohio. Headline, fights break out at Lakemore, rolling rank in Akron, 250 kids caught in the middle of a melee. We've heard these stories a dozen times. A large group of black people go to a skating rink. Even these guys are 13 to 15 years old. It turns into one big rolling riot in Akron. And if you read the story, there's no video. If you read the story attached to it, it, you know, it just gives the details. Man, there's all these kids. They were fighting here. They're fighting there. They're fighting in the parking lot. We couldn't control them. Oh, my God. Then the cop comes up and reminds everybody of the grim truth. Oh, yeah, that's been happening here for a very long time, even in the home of the goat. Why don't we head out to beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. They didn't have video on this either, but I guess it's not a big deal, but you tell me. Headline out of CBS Boston. Dated yesterday. Boston police officers were surrounded and assaulted by a hostile crowd while making an arrest. Now he's alarmed, the commissioner is alarmed by the hostile crowd. They said the officers were surrounded and assaulted by the crowd. Happened in Roxbury. I know a little bit about Boston. Know a little bit, bit about Roxbury. That's a black part of town. Uh, cops were trying to find somebody with a gun and a fanny pack. They stopped them. 
Um, then they tried to get him out of there because there was a large crowd. The suspect then grabbed the officer's wrist and began squeezing his wrist. The suspect continued to resist arrest. Now it gets good. Police body knocked the police body cam off. The crowd grew and opened a fire hydrant, causing a heavy flow of water pressure onto the street directed at the officers. They threw buckets of water at the cops while they tried to put the suspect into the cruiser. Here's what the, here's what, uh, the chief of police said. I'm alarmed by the level of hostility my officers had to face while arresting a felon armed with an illegal firearm. They were attacked by members of the very same community they were attempting to protect by affecting the arrest. Public safety is a shared responsibility. Blah, blah, blah. This, this commissioner's alarmed. I mean, when I'm alarmed, uh, I don't know, does that mean you're surprised? That means black people in Boston and Roxbury attacking the cops, being hostile, scornful, disrespectful, contemptuous of the cops. That just happened for the first time last night? Or is that happening in every big city in this country right now? Right now. Right now. So you can ask two people. One, you can call the Boston CBS affiliate and ask them. They'll say, no, it's kind of a one-off thing. Or why don't you go ask a cop? Ask a retired cop about this story. Ask him if he's ever heard of a story like that. He's going to look at you as if you just suggested the moon was made of blue cheese or the moon is a balloon because cops, sometimes they forget how little the civilians know about the racial abuse they suffer on the job every damn day. And then we got to listen to some fool like Debbie Dingle come up there and try to tell us the cops are, you know, messing with black people for no reason whatsoever. And we've got to do something about that. You know, I think, let's get, okay, let's get, let's hit the down, the back stretch here. So I don't know, in newspapers or in the magazine or communication business, I guess you're supposed to put the most interesting thing or the most powerful thing first, right? Sometimes we try and do that. Sometimes we don't. This story could be the most powerful and interesting story of all. Headline from Fox News. New York Times reporter Nicole Hannah-Jones says, Now-deleted fireworks tweet was irresponsible and beneath her standards. This is, this is going to be like, I think, I think you're going to find this hard to believe. New York Times reporter admitted, she admitted it was irresponsible to promote a theory that government officials have been setting off fireworks around New York City to, quote, disorient and destabilize the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh my God, that comes from National Review. What's gotten into them? When did they grow a pair? Does that chick's name sound familiar? Nicole Hannah Jones? Yeah, stick to it. They'll tell you who she is in a minute. She's not just your everyday average reporter. She apologized by saying, oh man, sorry about that. I repeated a big conspiracy theory that the government was simulating acts of violence just to blame it on black people. When, you know, let's face it, they're doing that. I just can't prove it. That was basically her uh, apology. 
If, it, it, what else did she say in that tweet? It's meant to sound like a war zone because a war zone is what it's about to become. We think this is psychological warfare, the first wave before whatever next stage of the attack is. So who is this chick? Anybody remember her name? By the way, on the streets of New York and Philly, Wilmington, Delaware, right now, right now, outside, within two blocks where we're making this podcast, kids are having major fireworks fights, just like you heard in that Baltimore thing. Doing it every night. And if you go to like the littleneighbors.com thing, everybody's freaking out. The same people who are so eager to excuse black crime and violence all year long when it doesn't affect them, they're, they're freaking out over these fireworks going all night long, like weeks at a time. And now they want the cops to go in and arrest the same fellas they've been trying to excuse, deny, ignore, encourage, and even lie about. Okay, so this Hannah Jones is the same New York Times reporter who claimed uh, uh, earlier in June that, you know, it's not that big of a deal to destroy property because that's not really violence. You remember who she is yet? Does the word Pulitzer Prize ring a bell? So the New York Times touched on... I don't know. I don't know if I'm overestimating, overstating what they did or not. But they wrote a big series this year that won the Pulitzer Prize called the 1619 Project. It was to commemorate 400 years uh, when the first slave came to America, 400 years ago. And this chick who just wrote that the government is simulating crimes and blaming black people for it. She's the one who wrote that the only reason anybody came to America in the first place because it was a safe haven for slavery and slavery built the country. As slavery built every single good institution that exists today wouldn't exist without slavery. So all and the the idea being all, everybody who benefits from all these institutions must now pay. And so the 1619 project is a real good kind of harbinger as we look back on it on this kind of an intellectual bellwether of what's going, what has happened since it was published. Lots of anger, lots of hostility increasing every day, violence increasing every day, lots of talk about slavery every day. Everybody's, all the fellas and lovely ladies are pissed about slavery. And now the chick who lit the fire, who set the match to the fuse on the 1619 Project, now she wants us to believe the government is really the one committing all this crime and violence from the fellas. Guess maybe because one of the big unstated goals of the 1619 Project was to make sure no one ever, anywhere, did anything to make those black kids angry. And his mama taught him stay away from strangers A roving band of Negro youth The odds are you won't live to see tomorrow Beat the Asian man Beat the Asian man Will the rob and rape or kill you Or just play the knockout game They go to Chinatown and attack Asians have a target on their back 
We called the cops on him last week But he's back out on the street The odds are we won't live to see tomorrow Beat the Asian man Beat the Asian man Well, he makes his humble A-rolls But he's a Negro youth's fair game Every single night and 